0: Joe Johnston has directed some great movies, including the recent holiday-themed film The Nutcracker and the Four Realms that just came out. But he's got a long history in Hollywood. If you're a base on a true story producer, you'll know a few of his films that we've covered on minisodes like Captain America, The First Avenger, or The Rocketeer. Then there's other classics, the original Jumanji, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Jurassic Park 3. Okay, maybe that last one isn't really much of a classic film, but today we're going to be learning about one of Joe Johnston's films that, as of this recording, is the only film he's directed that's rooted in history. I'm Dan Lefebvre, and this is Based on a True Story. Before starting our story today, let's set up our game, Two Truths and a Lie. If you're new to the show, here's how it works. I'm about to say three things. Two of them are true, which means one of them is a lie. Are you ready? Okay, here they are. Number one, the ocean of fire race wasn't real. Number two, Frank never worked for Buffalo Bill. Number three, Frank T. Hopkins wasn't a real person at all. Got them? Okay, now as you're listening to our story today, you'll find the two facts scattered somewhere throughout the episode, and then by a simple process of elimination, you'll find out which one is a lie. And of course, we'll do a recap at the end of the episode to see how well you did. Oh, and if you want to check out those other minisodes that I talked about of Joe Johnston's movies, the ones about Captain America, the first Avenger, and the Rocketeer— those are available exclusively for Base on a True Story producers. You can sign up to become one and get access to those and all of the other bonus content over at com slash support. Once again, that's com slash support. But for today, let's buckle up for an epic race as we learn about Frank T. Hopkins and the movie named after his horse, Hidalgo. Our movie today begins with some chilly scenery. We see trees, sun, and snow-covered fields. Then there's shots of cold, brisk water covered by ice. When we hear a whistle, we see the head of a beautiful brown and white Mustang. That's when we see Viggo Mortensen's character, Frank T. Hopkins, enter the movie for the first time as he pets the horse that the movie is named after. In the next scene, we get a bit of context for what's happening as we see Frank riding Hidalgo and catching up to another rider. The other man mentions something to the effect of, I didn't ride 1,100 miles to come in second place. The race is on. And, of course, Frank wins. After this, we see the text on screen that we're familiar with in a little bit of a different version. It says, based on the life of Frank T. Hopkins. The movie doesn't give us any sort of indication of what race this might be that we're seeing, and unfortunately, it's not something we can really figure out by looking at it from history. And this is where the first major controversy about this film begins. You see, even though the movie says it's based on the life of Frank T. Hopkins, there's a lot of people who would disagree with that statement. Perhaps a more accurate statement would be that it's based on the stories Frank T. Hopkins told about his own life. On one hand, this isn't really anything new, we hear amazing stories all the time that make their way to the big screen. But for the most part, those stories have been able to be verified in some way through accounts other than the word of the one who claimed they happened. Sure, some people like T.E. Lawrence, whose name became famous by the film Lawrence of Arabia, might have embellished their story a bit. But we can verify a lot of it through documentation. Even stories like Hugh Glass, who we learned about in The Revenant, are mostly believed, even if there wasn't anyone around, to document or verify it. But when it comes to Frank T. Hopkins, things get a little more difficult because you'd think we would have scores of documented proofs about the things he claimed to have done. But we don't. For example, Frank wrote stories about him being the teacher to the infamous Billy the Kid. He said he hung out with Teddy Roosevelt before he was the President of the United States and that he served as inspiration for the legendary Western author Zane Gray. He even said he was a secret agent and plenty more. But as it turns out, those are more likely than not, nothing more than tall tales. We don't even really know when Frank T. Hopkins was born. He claimed to have been born in 1865 in Fort Laramie, Wyoming. He even conflicted himself a little bit by claiming two different locations, uh, well, they're two different distances from Fort Laramie in his own stories. However, historians have struggled finding any documentation to prove that's where he was born. I'm sure it's no surprise that I believe we can learn from history. And that includes my own personal history, too. You know how your phone will remind you of photos that you took on this day a few years ago? Well, I just had one pop up, and it reminded me of a time a few years ago when my daughter and I were heading out on a four-hour drive to a state park. And it couldn't have been more like 10 minutes into the drive when my check engine light turned on and my car just started shaking really, really bad. Needless to say, we ended up spending the rest of the day at the mechanic instead of the park. Not only was that day ruined, but all of a sudden, I had a huge, unexpected bill to figure out how to pay. And I really wish I had known about today's sponsor then, because that would have relieved a lot of stress. Earn In helps alleviate financial anxiety by giving you access to your pay as you work instead of waiting for the next paycheck. You can get up to $100 a day or up to $750 per pay period. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in True Story under podcast when you sign up, and it'll really help the show. True Story under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Thanks earn in. Of course, on the other hand, that's not too surprising. It's not like we have proof of everyone's birth dates in the 1800s, especially in remote towns like Fort Laramie. But for a bit of context, in 2010, there were 230 people living in Fort Laramie. In the 1860s, Fort Laramie was little more than a station for the Pony Express. So even though we don't know when he was born, we do know Frank T. Hopkins existed, so obviously he was born, right? Going back to the movie, the next major plot point has Viggo Mortensen's version of Frank headed to Wounded Knee. It's here that the movie tells us the year for the first time. We see text that says we're at Wounded Knee Creek on December 29th, 1890. Frank is a dispatch rider. He's taking a message that we saw handed to him in the opening sequence to the commander there at Wounded Knee. For some reason, though, he doesn't take it to the commander. He instead hands it to a soldier that then must run all the way across the camp to deliver it. Maybe the purpose of that is just so that we can hear the voiceover letting us know what's inside the message. And the message is to Major Whitside of the 7th Cavalry. It says that General Miles is ordering a solution the Sioux uprising, he's ordered to disarm the Indians at once, and if they fight, subdue them. Then, as Frank leaves the camp, we see one of the Indians carrying a rifle. One of the U.S. Cavalry soldiers tells him to give up his gun. An elderly tribesman comes by, saying that Black Coyote is deaf. He can't hear your orders. A struggle ensues, and the gun goes off. Then, all hell breaks loose as... The soldiers opened fire on the Indians. That is true. Probably. What the movie is showing here is what's referred to as the Battle of Wounded Knee, but some have debated that name, saying it wasn't a battle at all. It's the Wounded Knee Massacre. We don't know for sure how the bloodshed started, but there is a version of the story that says it happened just like the movie shows. The Lakota tribe, which is one of the three major divisions of Sioux tribes, was at Wounded Knee when the 7th U.S. Cavalry tried to disarm them. One of the tribesmen, named Black Coyote, was deaf and didn't want to give up his rifle. In the scuffle, his gun went off and the cavalry started shooting. The Lakotas tried to fight back, but most of them had been disarmed. And in truth, they didn't really have that many guns to begin with. On the U.S. side, there were 490 men. 25 were killed, 39 were injured, and 6 of them succumbed to their wounds later on. For the Lakota... There were 120 men who fought. We don't have exact numbers, but some estimates say 90 of those warriors were killed, along with another 200 women and children slaughtered. To date, the Wounded Knee Massacre stands as the largest domestic massacre in U.S. history. And the movie got the date correct. It was on December 29, 1890. For the purposes of our story today, though, what's not true about this is that Frank was there. He was not at Wounded Knee on that December day. Now, it is true that Frank claimed he was there, like the movie shows, but historians haven't been able to find any proof to back up the claims that Frank made that he was at Wounded Knee when the massacre took place. We have documentation from the events, including stories from the Indians who managed to survive the horrible event, but none of them mentioned Frank being there. Back in the movie's timeline, we see some text on screen that tells us were eight months after Wounded Knee and were at Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. We hear J.K. Simmons' version of Buffalo Bill announcing that the Proud Seventh was awarded 27 congressional medals at a place called Wounded Knee. What the movie is referring to here as the Proud Seventh is, of course, the Seventh Cavalry. As we just learned, it is true that the U.S. troops who were involved in the Wounded Knee massacre were the 7th Cavalry Regiment. As for the 27 medals, however, that number is a little bit off. Some sources that I found said that there were 20 medals of honor given out, while the official U.S. Army website has 18 men uh, listed receiving the award. For a bit of comparison, a total of 7 men in the 7th Cavalry Regiment earned a Medal of Honor for the Vietnam War. Admittedly, the Medal of Honor was awarded more liberally in the late 19th century. But still, that number seems quite high for something that many historians consider to be a one-sided engagement, the number of medals given for Wounded Knee. In other words, it was not a battle. It was a massacre. In the movie, we see Frank performing as one of the heroes of Wounded Knee for Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. He's obviously not too happy about the role that he's playing as evidenced by how drunk he seems to be all the time. But he plays it nonetheless. It's true that working for Buffalo Bill's Wild West show was another claim of Frank's. However, there's also no documentation to prove it ever happened. Dr. Judy Winchester was the curator of the Buffalo Bill Historical Center in Cody, Wyoming, as the movie was being made. In a 2003 interview with the Saudi-based newspaper Arab News, she explained, quote, we were unable to find any Frank T. Hopkins in our database of known cast members, acquaintances, employees, or friends of Colonel Cody." End quote. Back in the movie, it's during one of these shows that we see Viggo Mortensen's version of Frank get approached by an Arabian man named Aziz. He's played by Adam Alexi Mall, and along with his British colleague, the two convince Frank to take on a new challenge. They talk about an amazing race called the Ocean of Fire— According to the pair, this is a race that's taken place every year for more than a thousand years. It's a 3,000-mile race across the Arabian Desert, along the Persian Gulf and Iraq, across the sands of Syria to Damascus. Frank, of course, decides to take Hidalgo on this, the ultimate long-distance race. Now, I don't want to be the cloud that rains on this parade, but none of that is true. Do you remember the year that we saw in the movie earlier? It's 1890. Guess what? Iraq didn't exist in 1890. The country of Iraq that we're familiar with today was formed in 1919. The lands that make up the modern-day country of Iraq was owned by the Ottoman Empire in 1890, an empire whose demise began in 1918 but officially didn't collapse until 1922. So there's no way this thousand-year-old race could have included Iraq like the movie claims. But what if we gave the movie the benefit of the doubt and just assumed that they're letting us know about the lands we're familiar with now as Iraq? After all, it's easier to say Iraq to give us an idea of where they're talking about than to explain everything I just did about the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Still, it fails. You see, there aren't any records that any experts have been able to find about a man named Frank T. Hopkins ever entering into Arabian Sands. There's also no record of a horse named Hidalgo taking place in the Ocean of Fire race. Of course, there's probably a good reason for that. The Ocean of Fire race isn't real. You'd think there would be some form of paperwork, documentation, or history that we could find about a race that was supposed to take place every single year for over a thousand years. But there's not. Frank made it up. Great story, but not real. And since that gives you an idea of how real the rest of the movie is, we could end this episode here. Of course, you're free to do so. This is a free podcast, and you can skip to the next episode in your queue of awesome podcasts to listen to. But before we do that, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, if Frank T. Hopkins wasn't at the massacre at Wounded Knee, didn't work for Buffalo Bill, and didn't race in the Ocean of Fire race like the movie claims, what did he do? I mean, other than make up some very tall tales about his own life, that is. Well, the sad truth is, we just don't know a lot about the real Frank T. Hopkins. A big part of that is because we can't really trust most of the things that he wrote. And a big part of that is because of the things that he wrote, most, if not all, start to fall apart when you dig deeper into the story. We don't even really know when he was born, as we mentioned earlier. Maybe it was in 1865, as he claimed, or maybe, as some historians believe, he was really born in 1884. That's quite a big difference and would have made him just six years old in 1890, during the timeline of the movie. And while Frank didn't work for Buffalo Bill, we also know that in 1926, he did hold down a job in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, working for the company Digging the Subway System. In fact, for all we know, Frank may have never even lived in the West. He may have dreamed up all those stories without ever living anything close to them for real. Well, maybe. Some believe the closest Frank came to riding in long-distance races was when he worked for Ringling Brothers Circus handling their horses. Still others believe that perhaps Frank did everything he wrote about, we just don't have any documentation to prove it. And that's certainly possible. There are countless stories throughout history that haven't been documented. There's no way that we can know about them, after all. (laughs) We can't prove something we can't prove, right? As for Frank T. Hopkins, probably the biggest gaping hole that I found in the documentation for his stories had to do with all of the long-riding races he claimed to have been a part of. You see, Frank's claims span over 400 races, To be more specific, those races include one in England, three in Germany, another three in India, four in Italy, another four in Russia, yet another four in Singapore, five in France, 11 in Mexico, 14 in Mongolia, 38 in Japan, 68 in Argentina, and last but certainly not least, a whopping 289 races in the United States. That's 444 total races if you are counting. For all that time spent racing horses, the historians and researchers who have spent years digging into the validity of Frank's claims have found very little to absolutely no proof for the races happening or that Frank was ever involved in them. In fact, for someone who claimed to have made a career riding horses over long distances and winning high-profile races, you'd think there would be at least one photograph of Frank sitting in the saddle of a horse. But there's not. We do have photos of Frank just not riding a horse during one of his many long distance races he claimed to have won. And if we've learned anything from the internet about people who like to make outlandish claims, picks or it didn't happen. This episode of Based on a True Story was written and produced by me, Dan LeFebvre. If you want to learn more about the real Frank T. Hopkins, you should check out the book simply called Hidalgo. It's a collection of Frank's writings, but there was a team of historians and experts who have gone through the book and pointed out the accuracy, or maybe I should say the inaccuracy, of the claims that Frank is making. For example, they do a great job of explaining how Frank's stories have captivated great journalists and authors and convinced them, for some reason, to publish the stories without any proof. Then it was really the movie that we're talking about today, Hidalgo, that brought a new wave of attention to the legends of Frank T. Hopkins. When historians started to dig deeper into Frank's stories, they started to realize there's a problem when you try to verify them with a third-party source. You can't. So if you want to dig deeper into the results of all that research in a way, way more depth than I could ever go here on the podcast, check out the book Hidalgo published by the Long Riders Guild Press. I'll make sure to include a link to that and plenty more resources to start learning more about the real story behind the movie Hidalgo over at com. Okay, now it's time for the answer to our two truths and a lie game from the beginning of the episode. As a refresher, here are the two truths and one lie. Number one, the Ocean of Fire race wasn't real. Number two, Frank never worked for Buffalo Bill. Number three, Frank T. Hopkins was not a real person. Did you find out which one is a lie? The lie is. Number three, well, Frank may have come up with some tall tales in his day. He was a real person. There's just not much proof about anything that he claimed to have done being real. Of course, there's always the chance that we simply don't have that proof yet. With each passing day, we learn more about our past. We find new clues to help uncover stories that were once lost to time. Maybe one of these days, we'll learn even more about the real Frank T. Hopkins. And that brings us to an end of our story today, but there's always more history to learn. If you've already listened to the hundred or so of the past episodes of Based on a True Story and are looking for something new, check out some of the minisodes by becoming a producer for Based on a True Story. Supporting the show costs as much or as little as you want. There's no tears or anything. It's a pay-what-you-want model. And by signing up, you'll get exclusive access to bonus episodes looking at how history was portrayed in fictional movies like Twister, The Prestige, and Jurassic Park, just to name a few. To grab those, sign up to be a producer over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash support. Once again, that's basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash support. Thanks So much for listening, and I'll chat with you again really soon.